tonight, we take a very special look at the classical musical, The Sound of Music. Then, we'll continue our Star Trek Deep Space Nine discussion with Qless and Dax. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brothers. Welcome back to the Ryder Brothers for another fun Tuesday night discussion of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, but of course, we do have a very special discussion regarding the sound of music. Uh, tonight, I am only joined for now by Corion, and I will later, of course, be joined. Uh, well, John will try to show up in the chat if and when he can. Uh, but for now, kind of got caught up in a situation where he has living situation pretty much in a matter of 48 hours shifted on him. So he's got other things he's got to take care of. Uh, Arende, good evening to you as well. Welcome back. Good to see you here. Orion, how are you feeling about tonight's show? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm just hoping uh, our good buddy, Poyo Zavados, uh, you know, enjoys the extra dimensional closet I set him and his family up in. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're they're okay in there for a little while, right? So it is come, bigger on the inside, so... Yeah, how come you work. gave him the TARDIS and my only offer was a trash can? Um, well, you know, the dumpster is good for keeping people on the moon for 5,000 years. And you did want to go to the moon. Yeah, so Rogue Council's leaking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... It is a very special occasion for Pollo Zapatos and myself. Um, and uh, yesterday was actually our uh, mother's birthday. She would have been 56. And uh, to honor that, we decided to use our show to take the time to revisit a classic which we hated as children. And that, of course, was The Sound of Music. And uh, I, I uh, decided to, yeah, we decided to watch it. And I got to say... Uh, not the movie that I remember. I mean, I remember the parts and I remember the movie, the progression, but uh, looking into it now, being a writer myself, it is so much different. Uh, Rende writes in, it's good for fires too. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I'm anyway. not sure. But <laughs> yeah, um, so Sound of Music. Um, now this also holds a, a little bit of a special place in my heart. My family is all from Austria. And my family was actually, their house is, the, my ancestral home is actually down the street from the Von Trapp family residence. There's a cool little plaque on the building now and everything. Wow. So, that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that is quite, uh, that, that, that's small world indeed. And it uh, looks like uh, from Facebook, Matt Moser writes in, hey brother, hey Matt, good to see you, welcome to the show, glad to have you, uh, have you watching tonight. Yeah. Really grateful for everybody who's shown up. Uh, Arende, yeah. oh, he's responding to dumpsters. Arende writes in, he says, dumpsters are, I mean, it's hard to understand when the punchline is so long after you read the comment. And that's, yes. And I do try sure. to keep up with everything, and hopefully the delay doesn't get too much. And then Glenda writes in, hello, fellow humans. If you insist, Glenda. <laughs> Just kidding. Glad well, I'm, I'm well. nearly human, so I guess I, that counts. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 and uh, it does look like uh corion has followed us on twitch all right thank you corion so i mean i mean really that's the only follow you ever really needed on twitch 
right yeah no, no, no exactly exactly all right so the sound of music if you have not seen this film yet um well then we'll try to summarize it and hopefully the spoilers won't uh, won't be enough for you because uh, really this movie's just something fantastic to to see and everybody at at least once in their life should give this movie a try because it's it you know i remember it being one of those cheesy feel good romantic comedies and and uh oh glenda has doubts about her uh her origins as well yeah i mean uh, um, we all have those existential crises every now and then uh, mm-hmm. for me it's every day no i'm just kidding um Sound of Music is an interesting film. Uh, it came out in 1965, and it takes place in uh, pre-Nazi Austria. Like, literally pre-Nazi Austria. <laughs> like, it's right on the doorstep. And uh, yeah, there's several ways you could look at this film. Uh, one, you could look at it as as though you have... Um, wow, I'm blanking on the on the lead singer's name all of a sudden. So, character. uh, Commander Von Trapp? He's not the main I mean, he's a main character, but uh, no, uh, Julie Andrews' character. Oh, Julie Andrews' character. Yeah, okay, okay. Julie Andrews, who's a, a woman who uh, usurps the authority of the man in his household. I'm only sharing that thought because I've heard it unironically shared to me before. But what's interesting, though, is it's a good thought to have to start with because it uh, it sets the because in the same sense that she's you know kind of usurping his fascistic authority. He himself is already resisting an impending fascistic authority, and so in the in the course of her, you know, exposing the kids to making their own songs, he then of course comes around to realizing maybe he was a little harsh in the process, and suddenly goes, "Oh, I'm imposing this authority on my children, and I'm not connecting them with them like a dad," which is understandable. He's been a dad and grieving for about seven years now, and uh, oh, we hit ten views. Obligatory like, subscribe, and share, please. And so now he's having to deal with, you know, he's realizing and he's finally connecting with his kids and everything's great until the new authority moves in and they now have to give up everything they own and and run away or embrace the new authority and serve in it, which thankfully for our, for our, one of our heroes was not an option. Uh, Captain Von Trapp was not going to have any of that. And uh, unfortunately... Uh, his some of his cohorts and some of his fellow countrymen, if you could call them that, uh, were embracing their Third Reich overlords. And this, of course, became a point of conflict when he tried to sneak the family out in the middle of the night and was caught. He did not see that coming. Oh. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, no, this film, when I watched it as a kid, not having learned anything about World War II and the Holocaust, I, you know, it, it really does... Uh, give you new perspective, especially years on, because uh, I had not seen this. I can't remember when I had seen this movie, and it's been a long time. Um, Cozy Koala writes in, this was my first time watching The Sound of Music with Petey, and Glenda says, this was one of my little sister's all-time favorite movies. Well, awesome. I'm glad you guys yeah. have that to, to share in and, and enjoy. And, and like I said, we're doing this as a special tribute to Maya Napoyo Zapatos' mother as, as a way to honor her memory uh, the day after her birthday. But, you know, you are showing Tuesday, so it is what it is. Um, so, uh, Corian, I think I've rambled on enough. What What are your thoughts? What did you think, uh, uh, having seen this recently? When was the last time you watched it, actually? So, I watched it specifically for the show, but on average, when I normally watch it is, believe it or not, every Christmas. Um, oh. 
if it isn't on, it gets streamed in my house uh, Christmas Day when we're not doing much else. Um, and uh, to me, it's always been this story that the reason why I love the story is not just because, you know, it's a great little romance. It's, you know, got a lot of night, you know, it's got a lot of very adorable characters and Maria is a, a textbook example of like a, you know, quality heroine done right. But I think to me also the big part of it is, um, it really shows how fractured the world was at that time where some neighbors would be going along just to get like to survive. Others were trying to get out of the way of this before it became too much. And others went full on embrace it so that they'd be in a better cause I guess they figured it was better to be at the devil's side than, uh, you know, than in his wake. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of that philosophy, obviously, but, you know, I do understand why somebody would choose that if, you know, you're in the situation they're in. Yeah. Um, I certainly have a certain level of empathy for, for being in those tough situations where, you know, it's a tough situation all around, and it sucks even more when your government fails to represent you properly and decides to sign an armistice with an enemy that you know, you already know is not something that, that you want to be in bed with or involved with, let alone commanding ships for. And yeah, so, I mean, you yeah. know, a lot of people forget that the first country that these guys invaded was Germany and the second one was Austria. They think that it was just one big conglomeration and they all decided to be evil at the same time. It didn't go down like that. <laughs> yes, we all get along because we're evil. You know, like, it, nobody, you know, Cobra Commander didn't suddenly spring up and, and start an army, right? Yeah, good right. Um, Oh, thank you. Um, you know, it, it it was one of those weird situations where a demagogue got into power and he was able to convince others that he should be in power, even though everyone sane kind of went, this isn't a good plan. And then the brown and shirts came and beat you up for saying that out loud. Exactly. So you either were quiet and obedient or, you know, you got, brown you got whacked. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, for Probably my family, I know. Else yeah, right. I, for I, my family, I can relate. A, yeah, Ugh. I can relate a little bit of a story. Um, you have to understand first that my family had a long and very proud military tradition, where they were always serving under the um, Austro-Hungarian Imperial Army, and we had now hit a new time of change and. My family was basically told in no uncertain terms that, well, you're either going to, you know, sign up and be part of this or you're imprisoned or shot. Your call. Right. Uh, so they were on the Russian front. Um, my grandfather was actually part of the tank division that got all the way to the point where they could see the women in Moscow bringing in their laundry. That's how close they came to actually invading Moscow. Um, before they had to get, before they got turned back. And after the war, my grandfather, uh, a 250-pound big, you know, bear of a guy, uh, came out of the Russian POW camp, 87 pounds. Wow. And was promptly told by the church who had come in that he owed back tithes from the war. So if he didn't pay up, he was, uh, you know, he was going to be going to jail yet again. And there was no way he could survive that. 
So that's why I wound up in Canada, actually. Um, so kind of an interesting kind of family story that, you know, you kind of, I look at the Van, Von Trapps as what could have been almost for my family, right? Um, those kind of large families at that time were very, very common in Austria. Yeah. Those. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh, we do go have, for it. Uh, <laughs> we do have a, so Glenda first writes in Germany was in rough shape after the end of world war one. A lot of Europe was in dire financial straits. People were hungry. And yes, I do want to get to that in a second. Uh, Mahalo, mm-hmm. Oregon says, wow. I believe in response to the story you just shared, which by the yeah. way, thank you that, that I, just learned that today but hey you know what that's what i love about doing the show with you is that we learn stuff while we do it instead of like trying to cram each other's lives in on the off oh yeah and i mean the the cool stuff too was at the at the end of it when he found out what had actually been happening in the regime because i mean you gotta remember at that time there were only you know the paper was your only news source and the paper was controlled by these terrible people so they weren't reporting these things when he found out what was going on, he he was appalled by it, obviously. And, I mean, when I got a chance to actually talk to him about it, he had freely admitted he never had actually, you know, this this is a family, you got to remember, that lives up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. They never actually met a Jewish person. But he kind of figured they were probably like everybody else, just trying to get by. And having to deal with that, it you know, it it, it struck him pretty hard. And he made an effort to try to get to know... Um, Jewish people in Canada to try to figure out, you know, what the logic of all this was because he didn't see it, you know. Um, and I feel like that's that's a good thing that he tried to sort yeah. out all of that. Sorry, another fan mail uh, was uh, <laughs> yeah. Crispin Hill writes in, "Hello, nephew, first time listener. Much love from the Oregon coast. Much love to you and Alicia as well, Crispin. Thank you guys for tuning in. It means a lot that you guys are here tonight. And yeah, and yes, I." That just sounded like a South Point, but no, I, I really no, but seriously, welcome. We're glad to have you, and uh, you know, um, yeah, family um, is always welcome. Yeah, I mean, Glenda, there that is that factor. Like, I think a lot of it too was Germany was not treated fairly after the First World. I mean, I, I remember learning about the Treaty of Versailles in eighth grade history class, and I'm like, and you're surprised that that that. I guess we should be careful not to trip the censors too hard. You're surprised that that the. Uh, you know the swastika folk rose to power i mean i'm not saying that that's okay however there there's we can look at symptoms and cause and effect here i mean that treaty was basically germany's going to be the world's slave for a hundred thousand years yeah it was never going to and then fly. this yeah and then this correct uh, charismatic character with a uh uh the other with the backing of a lot of powerful people all the time uh Charlie Chapman, yeah, the Charlie Chapman styled mustache comes in and starts talking about, hey, I'm gonna fix everything. Yes, he had the backing. I believe that the oligarch actually, actually, I'm, yeah. I'm at the point where there's never really been a dictatorship. It's usually the council who's behind the scenes and they push their front man up forward. Um, but that's kind of like what the Rogue Council does with various American politicians. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really think that the Mandarin in Iron Man Three is a good reference to understand kind of what. The, Hitler character was like. Now, whether or not he was that good or bad, I doesn't make a difference. Bad stuff happened, and and it happened under his watch. Happened under and, his watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. It, there's a lot that went into it. Um, however, you could th- there were people that did do the right thing and stand up and stick to their values, and sadly, some of them gave their lives for what they thought was right. Um, and in the end, we can see that well. 
when history promises, you know, when someone comes in making promises of grandeur, you definitely want to be careful about how how much power you give them, if any at all. <laughs> That's why I like the rule of law in the Republic so much. Let's be really shouldn't matter who wins when you vote because it should only matter a couple of years every couple of years and we should all be able to go on about our lives like everything's great because that's really beyond that do we need anything else well i mean one of the coolest things about the american system is the way you guys have set up the your checks and balances (laughs) in such a way that like they were good for a while well i'm just saying unless something really crazy happens they tend to move slow on issues they can afford to move slow on and in a lot of ways that's a good thing because it gives them time to think about what the problem is going to be and, and how to resolve it yeah and it gives the it gives we the people more time to discuss the issue well what we're supposed to do is discuss issues and have proper more informed consent so uh, exactly but anyway this is about the sound of music which is about a bunch <laughs> of rebels resisting a terrain hmm, interesting uh <laughs> yeah yes the the libertarian patriot uh, that Julie Andrews plays, uh, who comes in and liberates the kids from her dad, and then liberates oh, the dad don't, from himself. Don't forget, don't forget, good Christian woman too. You know, that's what I like about this film is the 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 fact that she was a part of a nunnery. I think more has to do with the setting in the area because I think really exactly. anyone of any faith can relate to this story in this situation and can see their own ideals and values represented. And that's what I really liked is that this is kind of this is what the nunnery is supposed to function like. They don't force the issue. You go to them, which I guess you would kind of understand that from what we've discussed, and, and yep. you decide to participate, and you decide to do it because that's what you want or that's what you feel you're called to. And that's you know Maria. She felt like she was called to do this, um, but really it was just a part of a stepping stone to get her to where she was supposed to be. And I I freaking love. Oh yeah, that song "How Do You Solve Problems Like Maria." I love how they have that. I'd never noticed until this watch through that it actually reprises during the wedding, and it was yes. like, how, "How do you solve a problem like Maria?" Oh, of course, marry her off to a military captain. Duh. Um, I also really liked that. Uh, I love that song "Climb Every Mountain." I always that one did resonate yep. with me as a kid. But oh my gosh, that line that that. Uh, reverent mother says when she says you know you have to live out the life that you're born to I was just like if there was a time I needed to hear that it was now and and that's just it it's such a such a whole it's movie. a timeless movie uh, Orville Nation writes in hey guys hey PJ welcome hey. and Cozy Koala writes in I feel like she may have been an orphan and that's why she had an attachment to the nunnery yeah if I recall that's correct um, yeah, but you know what? Uh, I always kind of look at it as, you know, part of her fate was joining the num- nunnery so that she could find out how she could best actually serve. And it wasn't in the nunnery; it was where she belong, where she needed to be with that family. And ultimately, you know, that's a wonderful thing, right? How awesome is it that somebody is open enough to be able to be exploring their faith and realize, wait a minute. I would be much better as a stepmom to these kids. That's where I need to be to be the most help and, and where I'm going to be fulfilled. So that's what I'm going to do. And everyone not only agreed and helped her, but, you know, uh, went out of their way to remind her how important that is that, you know, you find once you found your path, don't walk away from it, embrace it, love it. 
Well, and that's and that's really that's something that anyone in, who's in any kind of position of spiritual leadership can learn and take away from that movie is is the way that Reverend Mother, she doesn't try to keep you know well you've got to stay on the straight and narrow and honor your vows. No, she knows that Maria doesn't belong there full time. She knows that's not her destiny. And instead of well, we need more nuns you know to clean up on Thursdays. No, it's this is where you belong. And Maria wanted you know she knew that, but she was in conflict with what she thought she wanted and what she knew she wanted and that's that's when the spiritual advisor comes in and says it's not that simple i know we make it look simple but it's not and you are chosen for something else you are clearly going to be happier married and being a mom than you are going to be a nun and and yes it's it's not it there's no oh there's so much good stuff that comes out of this movie. oh yeah uh the breakup between captain von trapp and uh the baroness Yep. That, that that's how adults break up okay that's not something that's in the movies that's when you're having a hard time you know that's the way that you want to part on is good terms mm-hmm. um and i mean I, I i still think honestly that the two of them really did still like each other even after the breakup they just you know he was head over heels in love with maria and he realized that and he ended it at the right time to try to make sure nobody's feelings got hurt and did it honestly you know, this is, guys, uh, for any young men and young ladies out there, this is how you handle a relationship. If you, if it has to end, try to end it in such a way that you do the least amount of harm to everybody, and you're honest with everybody about your feelings. It, I, I know it sounds corny coming from uh, an old guy like me, but it really matters. It really, really matters. All right, I got some fan mail to catch up on real quick. Matt Moser says, I'll subscribe if you've seen Climb Every Mountain. Uh, well, you will, we'll see. We'll, we might save that um, for the very end. I, I would love to. Unfortunately, YouTube gets very persnickety about what we are allowed to sing on air. Oh. Um, there might be a copyright issue there, so we should probably avoid that. Not because we're terrible singers, but because we don't want the channel taken down midstream before a copyright violation. And, and let's be honest, too. We don't have CC Karaoke here to lead us properly. To, to This is true as well. So, um, also to catch up, Orville Nation said, writes in, I thought you guys were talking about T and Telly when I first got here. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's certain qualities and characteristics that both Maria's share there. Um, I mean, look, the what to do about a problem like Maria from Maria and T and Telly is like and subscribe her channel because she's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, too bad Puyo Zapatos isn't here to put links in the chat and I don't feel like doing it. So I'll see. Um, but anyway, I do want to point out, uh, yeah, I do want to say, on, on the I can actually give a real life example. Well, yeah, as real life as I could have seen it from a friend of mine uh, who goes by the name of David Thibodeau, which if you... That name sounds familiar. That's because he happens to be a Branch Davidian survivor from the Waco Massacre. Um, he actually recently oh, wow. broke up with his um, with his longtime girlfriend of about three to four years. And they're both friends still on Facebook. They had nothing except nice things to say about each other. And they did it like adults. And so I would like to, you know, whether or not he sees this or not, I just want to say, David, that was inspirational even as a happily married man to see setting an example in society uh, that is exactly the way to go about it because there's nothing to be gained hurting the other person in the end um and i'm even going to take a step further and say guys gals even if the other person does something so horrible you're not going to gain anything by doing something horrible back 
People aren't going to see, oh, well, you were clearly wronged, and so of course you should be a piece of shit in return. They're not going to see that. You're going to see two pieces of shit arguing over who's shittier. And that's just, that's the way people see it. And, uh, yeah. Like, oh, we, Matt we, Moser we... has actually decided to subscribe anyways. Awesome. Climb every mountain. Subscribe to the Ryder Brothers. Share our stream everywhere. That's what you're getting, a parody, crap parody version I just threw together in my head. Fair enough. You know what? You might as well. If it's going to subscribe, you might as well make it file. That's um, it. And Matt, welcome to the channel. We appreciate having you here. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you want to talk about fun, uh, you know, <laughs> um, so Matt and I are, we we think we're related. Um, we okay. met in Coast Guard A school. Um, he was being a, he was going to be an information system technician. I was doing operations specialist. And uh, we started talking, and he was, he was, uh, we're talking to, it turns out he was actually related to the Duke of York at one point. We actually calculated it out. We are actually technically cousins, 19 times removed, but close Very enough. nice. Very <laughs> right? nice. Right? Who cares? Who's counting? Well, I guess I was. But, yeah, that, no. Doesn't that make you, like, Alabama brothers or something? No, no, no. You're, th we're like this in our family tree. You're thinking like this. Um, ah, okay. My apologies. My oh, it's apologies. all fine. It's all in the... F <laughs> um, <laughs> let's not go there. So, the, yeah. <laughs> no, no. More like... Anyway. Yep. I'm not doing that again. Uh, well, thank you. The sound uh, of we, music, we all appreciate that. The Sound of Music really is a brilliant movie. And yes, it's timeless because it still has lots of good values. And it's not, it's not one of those dumb, feel-good romantic comedies. It really does... It, it you really feel the emotion from Christopher Plummer's acting as well as Julie Andrews like they make you feel what those characters are supposed to be feeling just in some of the facial expressions and the mannerisms it, it's really a special movie in so many ways and I mean it's hard for me to believe that that's the same guy who would later go on to play General Chang in Star Trek 6 I, I right? mean I, I still like I couldn't even I couldn't even see it watching this movie I'm just like it, that's him, and I could hear it a couple of times, but then the rest of the time, I'm like, that's not the same guy. Like, you, you half want him to quote Shakespeare while trying to kill Kirk, right? Like, Or or telling the Nazis to piss off. Like, right. that's yeah. exactly... Yeah. And it's like ironic, only... it's ironic that in Star Trek VI, there's even a reference to that. No. Right. Oh, man. You know, I mean, look, what I also... One of the scenes that I really, really like is when Maria first realizes that she's falling in love with the captain. And you can see her face go flush. I'm which... sorry. I've got to stop real quick. Delenda yep. added a comment. I didn't catch it in time. I'm going to do this one last time for everybody. Delenda's chat. You'll see it when you, you'll hear it when you see it. Okay. Climb every mountain. Watch every stream from the Ryder Brothers. I just, I saw I it. I'm like, ah, that's I it. I'm going to sing it because she's right. It's right. And then real yep. quick to catch up, uh, Cozy Koala says, I teared up a bit, honestly. Yes, me too. I don't know what spot you're talking about, but I agree. And uh, Orville Nation says, great actor. Yeah, fantastic actor. Um, you know, Julie Andrews was also fantastic. My Still favorite is. scene, of, absolutely. My favorite scene with her in the movie is when she dances with uh, the, the captain at the party. And, you know, this is not an easy thing to pull off. But her face actually does go flushed. 
and the subtext of her dancing with him and then realizing oh damn I'm falling in love with him and then not knowing what to do with that because she's been raised in a convent or she's been around the convent for so long she doesn't actually know what to do with these feelings and the only thing she can think to do is run away you know there's some fantastic subtext there and it could have been if any other actress had tried to pull it off I don't think they would have done as good a job as all of that emotion playing out on Julie Andrews' face in rapid succession like it was that's a fantastic thing it's super hard to pull off especially where you're managing to make your face flush and then not flush right away that's hard and very impressive that she was able to do it yep cozy koala writes in the movie in general had me tearing up well yeah that makes sense there's a lot of beautiful singing and uh orville nation says uh she just turned 87 this week referring to julie andrews congratulations ma'am that's uh i mean fantastic and uh yeah. matt writes in uh, she almost didn't get the role oh interesting a little bit of trivia I wasn't familiar with, uh, Matt. If you, you're able to explain in 200 characters, or if you want to go ahead and explain it in the chat, we'll we'll definitely share that piece of information more. If you want, you don't have to. Oh, and Matt also subscribed on the YouTube, or did he just subscribe on YouTube? I thought it was Twitch. Eh. Well, I saw it on Twitch, but subscribe. Let's... You're here. You know, that's yeah. All I care about. Um. Yeah. It. it, it there, there's so much that you just don't understand as a kid because your mom's making you watch this sometimes as punishment other times because she just feels like it and decides ah, it's punishment uh now it, it's you know you're, you're a kid you don't want to sit for three hours unless you know there's like lightsabers involved and even then you don't want to sit for three hours because 30 minutes through the movie you want to start going on a on a jedi crusade through the theater and fighting everybody else who has lightsabers yes i'm referring to to when star wars was fun uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, now this is absolutely a timeless movie and everyone should watch it at least once in their life. And I'm really glad that Seth MacFarlane actually put it in the Orville uh, and, and really worked it into the show in such a masterful gag. But it's good that he's that that shows do that because then people some people see that and they go, oh, what's that? And then they look it up and they find the song on YouTube and then maybe they find the movie. And then so that's a really cool way that that's when I have a lot of respect for certain showrunners is when they help preserve past culture by actually integrating the media into their own stories. And and obviously for us, that's easy because we just talk about it. Um, but it's, it's awesome when you when you see just how much of an impact this movie has had on pop culture throughout the years. It's not something to be taken lightly. But I only learned this many years after my mother passed away. To me, this film was just the bane of my existence <laughs> for a long time. Except when I did, I think the last time I do remember watching it all the way through, I did start to have a bit more of an appreciation for it. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that in my house, it's kind of got a special special place um to give you guys a little bit of background because it's important to understand why this movie is a big deal around here um while you know both my wife and i are wiccan now my family is from austria my wife's family is all jewish and 
our daughter is just getting to the age where we're going to have to start talking about some of this and explaining where great-grandparents of hers were during World War II. And that's going to be a, an interesting and difficult decision and how we tackle it. But movies like this give us a window, give us an opening to explain that not everyone in those times were good or bad. Some people were just trying to live and trying to survive. And that's why this movie in my family is going to be super important down the road. Um, you know, the music is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's absolutely timeless. Those songs can be played for forever. Um, Edelweiss is a, uh, an absolute favorite in my home. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I wish I could sing like Christopher Plummer does in the movie. I would just be happy if I looked like him. Uh, well, I mean, under the beard, probably you do, right? No, so. no, no, no. No, there's a baby under here. <laughs> well, I'm going to assume that if you were to sh- if we were to get you out of mountain man mode, that there'd be like a Christopher Plummer under there. <laughs> you overflatter me a little bit. I mean, I, I appreciate uh, well, that. I, 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 I appreciate it. I'm gonna die. I'm appreciative. All right, Matt writes in... Just just like I'm going to let you assume that underneath the beard here, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I already knew that. It's not really. Clearly. The uh, the resemblance is uncanny. Um, Exactly. Matt writes in, Walt Disney actually... Walt Disney himself, I should say, actually intervened to get her the role. Uh, Nobody thought she was going to be good at it, the musical, until she showed them clips of Mary Poppins. Oh, was she in Mary Poppins? I know that. Yes. Oh, wait, she was Mary? She is Mary Poppins in the show. So I've got another classic I need to catch up on. I, I yeah. could have sworn that was somebody else, but uh, uh, maybe in the reality uh, I woke up in. I, I, I believe the, the exact word should be Super Califragia just watched the movie. Well, you know, I only recently watched Predator for the first time, so it should yeah, come so as no enough. surprise that I've got half of the cult movies I'm supposed to have watched by now, and the other half I don't have, so... But, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, some... Well, you know, well, that's what happens to all of us, right? There are some that I've completely missed, too, along the way. Um, you know, that I'm going to have to catch up on eventually, right? But I get this kind of, like, weird mode where, like, I know I should probably catch up on this movie. But because I didn't see it in the time I was to see it, I don't know if I really want to now. Like, the legend is not going to live up to what people are hyping it up as. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that... Um, uh... What's his name from Guardians? Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure he's actually Mary Poppins, according to Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh man, no, I I do love this movie. I do think it's great. Um, a lot of the actors involved have moved on to moved on to wonderful things in their career going forward from there. Yeah, so, so it's amazing what a difference a hat can do to a person because. I barely saw, I barely see it now, but wow. Uh, Learn something new every day, thankfully. No, thank you, Matt. Um, Yeah, no, we, we definitely all, all have gaps. And honestly, Orville Nation, that's why we do this show, is to try and bring content to people that, that yes, we like to share and discuss and people who, who, who or, yeah. My saying, like to share well, we and discuss a pop culture that we enjoy to share with others that you may or may not have seen. So this show is also not just supposed to be, uh, oh, what's current and what we like. It's also supposed to be, hey, if you haven't seen this, here's why you should. Um, 
And then Matt writes in, don't let Parker fool you guys. He looks stunning under the beard. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Anyway. Well, like I said, we, we, we figured that out. I think I look out. more stunning now with this beautiful hair. Well, you see, the, the trick is that in order to... See, he's so gorgeous a human being that that's all you'd focus on and you wouldn't listen to him. So he had to grow the beard as like a defensive measure to make sure that all of us would pay attention to what he's saying as opposed to just like worshipping him for his stunning good looks. He did us all a favor, really. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good human being and me in the same sentence. I like that's a good joke. I love it. Uh, Well, you know, I try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just... uh, I could go on about this movie, and so I'm going to. Um, it, it really, it's almost like those three hours go by fast until, you know, thankfully intermission hits and you get a chance to pee, uh, which honestly, I think needs to come back for three hour films. I think there's some wisdom in having a, a quick, you know, 10, 15 minute break, even if you're streaming at home. I mean, it, nowadays with a pause button, how many how many people have actually sat down and watched Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, extended four-hour cut all the way through? Yeah, that's what I thought. Without break? Yeah, no. The DVDs are also nice because they actually give you an intermission because it's like, all right, it's time to go from this movie to the bathroom. Then you go to the next disc and then you continue. And, and yep. oh, man, I missed DVDs. Um... You know, I keep a huge physical media library um, in my house specifically because uh, I don't necessarily trust the streamers not to edit things after the fact. We've already seen that. Right. So, I mean, literally what I have is shelves that go up of DVDs and then shelves across the top of my DVD racks further up. It's like one of the uh, Shinto um, arches going through my house everywhere you wind up with dvds instead so yeah and there's nothing wrong with that and i definitely need to get a physical copy of this because the only ones that i had access to as a kid were uh these things called vhs which you know i know that's ancient technology now um but i definitely want to make sure this is definitely this needs to be in my vault my vault currently consists of a plastic tub of all the movies that i could lug with me going to different stations throughout the coast guard you know when you're on a ship you can only bring so many movies with you uh matt writes in have you guys reviewed the ten commandments yet no no but that uh, you've seen you've seen that one right with charlton heston i absolutely have seen that movie um, you know, his, you know, let my people go is fantastic, right? You know, yeah. And, uh, you know what? I think that's something we could probably easily, easily plan for a Passover special. Um, you know, so. it, it would be interesting. I mean, you know, definitely a, a, a messianic Christian and a witch reviewing the Ten Commandments sounds like it would be one of those special videos that we're going to have. That do. almost that almost sounds like a review we got to do on the Rogue Council, to be honest. Right? Like, <laughs> like, so as it turns out, Moses was an alien. Well, uh, well depending on how you want to look at it. Now, um... Yeah. I'm uh, oh, I, I'm sure we could have a whole lot of fun with that. Oh, yeah. Especially absolutely. if we're like, now you see here, that, you know... There's a simple way to actually part that seat. You just have to do the following. <laughs> See, he had a stick, okay? Yeah, so that, that's already... all you really need anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but good suggestion, Matt. I think that's probably what we will do. I mean, because, uh, you know, as a, as a Messianic Christian myself, 
what I encourage people to watch the Passion of the Christ. I, I think that's really for Christians who are deep into the lore by then, and, and I think that's really a film that you just kind of need to decide. However, the Ten Commandments would be an excellent movie to review, not just for its, you know, its significance of the time period and for the reference of the holiday, but also, again, another great piece of cinema artwork that absolutely would be yeah. fine. We might even just have to do a whole show or, yeah, a special. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, sitting down and, you know, not being as much part of the demographic that would be seeing this movie as more of a sacred I think it'd be very interesting for us to pull up, pull the story apart a little bit and go, you know, like, this is the messages we think are super important in this movie. Because I think you and I can both agree, there are definitely some very important messages here and some very important philosophy and, and, and yeah. you know, critical components there that we could definitely explore and I think would be a lot of fun to. Yeah, and I am also looking forward to, even this month, uh, some of the stuff that you may be sharing uh, throughout the rest of the month when we also go through some of our favorite uh October theme. Yes. Yeah. But more on that later. In the meantime, uh, it looks like, according to Orville Nation, so it looks like Elon is buying Twitter after all. Uh, yes. Cool. Actually, Listen, that is cool, because then we can finally have adult conversations again. Uh, you know, look, uh, I... I looked... Okay, so my personal opinion on this... Um, I want to make it clear, not necessarily the Wright Brothers' woo, opinion. Woo, woo. Personal right? opinion alert. Personal yeah. opinion alert. Um, look, everything Elon has done in his entire career up until this point has always been about getting to Mars. Okay? SpaceX, boring company, even PayPal technically when you really think about it, is all about what you would actually need on Mars for currency so you weren't I'll dealing with stuff. I'll see you Red Sea and raise you a red planet. Yeah, there you go. Um, but the Twitter doesn't make a lot of sense to his master plan. So it almost feels like he had to do it because if he didn't do it, um, it would be too hard to deal with the divisiveness that Twitter tends to produce. So here's what I would say. I think it would be great if Elon found a way to, instead of it being used as a tool to divide us, it become a tool to share our opinions in a respectful manner and bring us together, which I think we need now more than ever before. Yeah, and that's our motto here at the Ryder Brothers. We we are on, and it is an overly ambiguous and and you know I'm sure some people think I'm full of myself for saying this, but we really do mean to restore respect into discourse, and that was part of the reason that 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 I was so uh, cautiously optimistic at the time to start the show with Corion because I mean, look, guys, you have a a well, my beliefs are my own, I'll be honest. I don't really conform mm-hmm. to a specific religion. But you have a you have a Christian and a witch on the same stream talking about the sound of music. Right. I How mean you can't get more cool, cool than that? that. Yeah. And I mean we're not bothered or offended by each other's different things and stuff. Sometimes I do cringe internally, but I also realize, well, I'm kinda cringing because of programming. I'm not really do I really care what Corion does with his life? I mean I hope he stays alive, but Yeah, and I mean same <laughs> deal, right? I mean, like to me, look, it's not, you know, uh, I completely respect Petey. His beliefs are not mine, but he's 100% free to have them. And I'd fight to the death to make sure he can continue to have them. Thank you. Because we learn best from many different voices coming together and sharing their individual truths and learning from those truths and taking back what we can from them. 
And if, you know, if anything, hopefully this shows that you can have divergent opinions on things. And we definitely do. But we respect each other enough to allow those differences and say, you know what? At the end of the day, you know, we still respect the hell out of each other. And, uh, you know, we, we enjoy each other's company, if only because it makes us think about what we believe more and become even more, you know, it gives us new perspectives on what we believe in a wonderful way. So I thank you for that, sir. Iron sharpening iron. And, and, and yeah, and uh, you know, I've said it before on other streams and I'll say it, you know, with, with everybody here. Yeah. I, I was inspired by your openness with your own faith, even though you have to be considerably more secretive than I think anyone should have to be. A uh, fair, uh, fair, fair. It, it's helped me to re- return back to, to me because I realized, you know what? I don't own the problems of Christianity as a whole. I don't own the sins of the past. I own my sin. I don't own Corion's sin. I don't own Matt's. Arende writes in, Oh my God, respecting other people's ideas, even if you dislike them? What a novel idea! Sarcasm detector explodes. Incur. Uh, Orville Nation says, Some of us hear more voices than others. Uh, We should talk privately, Orville Nation. Uh, But as I was saying... I, I don't own those sins. I own my sins. I own my problems. And I that I can only try to be a decent person. And if you believe yep. that Christianity is good for you, I'm more than happy to have a discussion and challenge your perspective and why it's not. Yes, I'm that guy. I, I'm, I'm the one who goes, so why do you believe it? Why do you go to church? And if I talk somebody out of going to church... I see it similarly to his mother, as reverent mother in, in The Sound of Music. Yeah, she talked her out of being a nun and dedicated to the nunnery and is instead going to be a mother and raise children. That's it. It's, it's not about it's not about picking. It's not about scoring the correct religion. And yeah, I, I, I feel like if you're going to, to me, what matters is if you're going to believe, believe with all your heart. Believe because you genuinely feel that calling. Um, don't do it out of an obligation to somebody else because that taints the work. Do it because you genuinely feel that calling and you want to move forward with that particular set of morals and beliefs. And if you do that, if you're willing to do that, I can't see anyone having a lack of respect for you. So long as you're also respectful back. Yeah. And, and Glenda writes in opinions and beliefs have to be able to stand in the face of adversity. I, I completely agree with that. You, you, your, if your beliefs can't stand to scrutiny, it might just be because you need to evaluate and maybe reconsider. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. It just means that a certain aspect of what you believe could probably use a little tweaking. That's what I've had to do through my life. There was a time when I was a diehard Bible thumper to the point where Corion probably wouldn't be on this show with me. And I probably wouldn't even have a following because I was so arrogant and still kind of am. But I'm getting better. I'm <laughs> trying to get better. And that's all we can really do in the I respect Corion's right to exist and have ideas. I respect every single one of you in this chat watching this show, whether right now live or in the podcast tomorrow or whenever. As long as you respect my right to exist and have ideas, I don't care if we agree. I don't That's care if, if we have, if the only thing we have in common is like agreeing that Deep Space Nine is the greatest Star Trek ever. Cool. Good enough for me. In yep. fact, I would rather have that belief because I've learned politics is a fickle mistress. Do not make friendships based off of political similarity because the reality is you actually have less in common with people that you think you vote with than you do anyone else for any other reason. I have more in common with people loving the sound of music, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars. Those are the things that that I have more in touch with. Music in general, just different tastes in music, partying. I can get along with anybody as long as we're not going to kill each other. 
And guys, it's not What's that far. That's uh, really not. Yeah. I mean, look, you don't have to be... Uh, I'm going to probably shake the foundations of arguing on the internet, but look, you don't have to be politically in lockstep with another human being. You don't have, have to your be... Own... Oh, sorry. Yeah, have your own beliefs. If somebody, if a political party happens to share enough of those beliefs that you agree with their stance on things and you want to vote for them, do. But it's no one else's business who you vote for. And it's every single bit a personal choice. That's why we have a secret ballot. So you don't have to share that information. Right? Um, look. Hold on. Arende writes in, I also like the sound of silence. All right. So anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, no, uh, look. The the political side of things, look. You don't have to be in political lockstep with the party. You can even freely say, like, you know, yeah, I voted for this guy, but I don't be- I don't follow him on everything. There's a lot I disagree with, but I just disagreed with everybody else more, right? That's a completely reasonable place to be in, and it doesn't matter who ultimately an individual votes for. What matters is what they believe, what they will share with everybody, and how we go about the sharing in a respectful manner that even if you may disagree with somebody's position, you can have a discussion about it in a reasonable and fair and non-name-call-y, fist-fight-y kind of way. Yep. And if you're worried about certain individuals getting into certain positions of power, then perhaps what we need to evaluate is how much power that person has access to in those positions, not whether or not those people get there. Because I'm of the belief, and, and you know, I've... I, I've had my fair share of gloating and I've done, I've done, I've been down those roads. I've done the stupid things. I've been a dick and I probably will in some other way, but I've also learned from that in looking back on that and kind of shaking my head at myself going, really, what did that, what good did that bring in the end? It did. It just satisfied my own personal ego and some false sense of camaraderie that doesn't actually exist. I don't care what you believe in, what you vote for. If you're the losing team, your reaction in an election should be, oh, maybe next time. That's how little impact that that losing an election should have on anyone's life, regardless of how you vote. Winning with grace is just as, it's just as important to also lose with grace, right? And the truth of the matter is, if your party didn't succeed, well, maybe you need to figure out a way for next time to make a better case, Right? Maybe you need to figure out what those people need that didn't vote for you and come up with a way to bring them onto your side in a way that does make sense to them. Careful, Lorenda, you're going down a dangerous path agreeing with my sense of humor. You're going to find it gets darker and darker and I'm getting to areas I don't even want to go to yet. If at all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Frankly, uh, you know, we're, we're going to need a, a, you know, a, a, a scent dog, a lantern and a rope to to get in and find you and yank you back out. Get me out of my own idealism. Uh, actually, yeah, no, that, that might actually be a thing. Uh, yeah, that no, would be and, kind of a fun and the discussion other, with the board. But anyway, yeah, and the other thing is too, we also got to remember, guys. It's it, you know, this is a turning into an interesting show, but you know what? It actually right? fits because it fits the theme of the movie in a way. It does. Um, it's 
when we mean restore respect in a discourse, I want to clarify, we don't mean necessarily talking as amicably as Corion and I do on this show. That's not always going to be the case. There are going to be blow-ups. You are going to get mad at somebody. You might even get mad at me and have a screaming match with me someday. And that's okay. I'm not mad about having screaming matches. What I care about is what we do after the fact. Because it's after the dust settles. And do we come back to the table that matters? And that's what I think we need to start with. And we need to recognize that modern debating is a joke. Because it is. It's not about winning the debate. It's simply about getting the other person to understand your perspective. And if they do agree with you, that's their decision. That's not yours. It doesn't it, it doesn't mean anything because if someone chooses not to listen to you, one, take a step back. Ask yourself, okay, how did my message come through? And I have had to do this lots of times, especially arguing on the internet. And I don't even like to argue on the internet. I like to just share ideas now. But I've had to watch myself and go, okay, a text-based medium where emotion cannot be properly conveyed, you have to... It is best to conduct yourself with uh, assuming the best and assuming good intentions. Because until someone outright says, no, I hate you, screw you, you're bad, it's better to assume good faith in having a productive discussion. In doing so, someone who might have originally planned to give you the finger by the end might be persuaded in seeing that you're actually hoping for the best in them, that alone could change someone's mind and attitude because you set that example. So what I do... what I was going to say, I think the best example of that was the discussion that we actually had about secrets in the craft and how, you know, you were dramatically opposed to the concept of secrets in religion, which I respect. Yeah, and, and absolutely. But I was able to sit down and go, okay, these are the reasons why we have them. These are the law. This is the logic behind it. And at the end of it, while you still are not a big fan of secrets in religion, you could understand where the logic was coming from. And, you know, it may not be for you and that's totally fine. But we were able to share an understanding because we both were willing to take the time, let the other person make their case. Um, you know, bring back points for clarification back and forth and try to find common ground. Even if we were never going to agree on the issue, we could sit down and make it understandable to the other side. And once you've got understanding there, look, that's really some of the best stuff you can have, right? You're not going to agree with everyone. You're not going to disagree with everyone, but you can make the effort to understand their position and try to be respectful of that position whenever possible. Yep. Um, Arende writes in, says, uh, the best way to, uh, to fight the darkness is to just light a candle. Well, that's one way to do it. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you'll definitely be fighting the darkness when you accidentally set yourself on fire. Um, <laughs> of course, follows that up unless there's a gas leak. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Mahalo Organ says, I love it. Great show tonight. Thank you. Uh, and judging by the profile picture, that is actually my Aunt Alicia. Thank you so much again for tuning in. And Galinda. Hi, Aunt Alicia. Galinda says... And also, I probably shouldn't have said her full name without asking. Whoops. Oopsie. Galenda says, I don't debate to be right. I debate to learn. That's where I'm. That's awesome. I agree. Because uh, life is not about being right, guys. Let me me just take it back to Arrogant Parker for a minute. Or excuse me, Arrogant Petey. I forget my own name. Um, 
And let's just let's examine from from that perspective for a second, where where he's massively insecure about his beliefs. He thinks he's on the right team because he's been told he's on the right team, and and if he's not right, then everyone else must be wrong. And that's how I used to be. I used to be very much like I had to be right. Well, no, I don't, and I wasn't. I have my personal beliefs for my reason, and I love getting into those discussions on, on the Rogue Council, but I also have come to the realization that out of almost 8 billion individual minds and ideas, and 6,000 currently active and known religions, I don't believe that's counting the dead religions. Of which there are several, and all of them are kind of cool, actually. Several thousand, yeah, several thousand yeah. more on top of the 6,000. It's a bit absurd to assume that out of 8 billion people in 6,000 known religions that I scored the correct one. Now, I may have scored the correct one for me. Or he may have scored the correct one for him. Yep. And other great people who are also open with their faith, like a quick shout out to Cameron Pasha, not that he needs it. Openly Sufi Muslim who's diehard about his beliefs, but is also respectful of everybody else. It's not that hard! (laughs) <laughs> it's really not that hard. Um, Arende says, uh, at the writer brothers, you can edit out the section at the end of the stream if you want to remove it. Yeah, uh, and I probably will if she's that worried about it. I'd assume she'd probably be messaging right now. Don't use my real name, which, oh, sorry. <laughs> will it happen again? No, it probably will happen again because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> well, we are glad to have everybody here. Yes. Um, regardless yes. Of, of who you are and what you believe, we think you're awesome. We want you to continue to believe what you want to believe. Um, you know, I personally hope that, uh, you know, when your time comes, you go where you believe you should go. Um, you know, where, where your faith says the good, right, the good, decent, you know, reasonable people go. I absolutely hope you go there. And, uh, you know, I hope the same for, for everybody, regardless of what your belief is. My whole piece is, look, so long as you're not actively causing harm to other people. You're okay in my books. Uh, that's that's yeah. That's the line for me is consent. That's the universal moral constant is is consent. Yeah, as long as you're not violating someone else's decision making and you're not you're not you know you're not hurting people. I don't care. You, you yeah. believe whatever you want. You think that free college is a thing? That's fine. Actually, it is. Heritage Foundation has some stuff for that. Um, not that I wanted to plug them. I just immediately thought of free college. I'm like, wait a minute. There is actual free college courses out there. <laughs> and i will and i will say this about the the whole college debate and i think this is where i'm gonna leave that one is you know it used to be off that easy oh okay here we go (laughs) um it 100 used to be that um post-secondary education was optional but needed for certain types of jobs that required um a higher education to be able to understand the the underpinnings of the job Right. And These let's, days, let's, however, let's reference this real quick to our, you know, to our military captain hero, Captain Von Trapp. Right. I don't want a high school dropout in command of a naval warship. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I get that. But now that almost 90 percent of the jobs, let's say, I think it's probably over that require some sort of post-secondary education. Um if we as a society have agreed we're going to provide the ba- you know a sufficient education that anybody can have a job if the requirements have now shifted that you need post secondary to have a job well it seems to me the logical 
carrying requirement of that society then would be to provide post-secondary education as part of your education plan for your country and not make people pay for it. Only pay for those things that would go above and beyond what would normally be expected in society. I, to me, that that's just a reasonable, logical place to be. I do, however, think that clearly we would have to do a lot of reform and a lot of changes to how we run things in order to be able to pull that off. I'm not saying it would be easy. I'm saying that if we've made that decision as a society, then we need to follow through on it. Yep. And uh, speaking of uh, requiring post-secondary education, I just looked at the time. So if there's any last thoughts on Sound of Music, please get them out real quick or think about them while I read these uh, these fan mails from Matt and Arende. Matt writes in, It is evident to people a free mind that of having their own sovereignty that others also possess the same right to autonomous dominion of their persons. If I'm remembering correctly, I believe that's a Jefferson quote. Uh, could also be John Adams. Um, either way, two great minds when it comes to base liberty. Uh, Arende writes in, I just made up my own mind as far as religion is concerned. Well, do we gotta burn someone tonight? No, I'm just kidding. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd join me on this, because look at the garbage he believes. Uh, taking bits from Buddhism and hermetic teachings, quantum mechanic... (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I'm just... You said you like my humor, Arende? You're getting the ball-busting version of that. Um, no, that's awesome. That's what I believe. Yeah. That's what I took an oath to. I rose my right hand, and I pro- pledged an oath to the Constitution, and to me, that oath still continues to this day. And, uh, and I mean, I believe that the Bill of Rights is human rights. And so, with the first one, you know, Congress shall make no law prohibiting, or, uh, excuse me, uh, promoting an establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof I believe that 100% and that's awesome that yeah. you've done that you found pieces that agree with you that make sense I'm always happy to have a debate and, and well really discussion debate anytime yep Matt writes in nope that was from me well that sounded very Jeffersonian so I agree with it either way um, yeah well then you know congratulations you've got the kind of quote that uh, hopefully will get you into the history books <laughs> nah. Now, all you got to do is something really cool. He already is. He's writing into the Ryder Brothers. Well, yeah, I mean, that automatically makes him a a maker of history. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. uh, Oh, I missed some. Sorry, uh, Facebook's not populated properly on my system. I apologize. So, uh, but it was just Matt. uh, You know what? Here's what he wrote. And this is a few minutes out of date. So bear with me. Matt writes in, philosophy generally teaches that each person is responsible for the effects they have in the world, but never for the effect that others do or have had. So as long as they have not, through their own means, been the causation of others' actions, a man who votes only for his party out of loyalty and not ideals held as a traitor to his country, where he has forsook decency or conformity, greatness or uniformity, and his mind or order. Again, I'm... I'm going to assume that's you again, but that also sounds very, very Jeffersonian. Yeah. I um, mean, there's a reason why I think Jefferson. Oh, sorry, real quick. Uh, Mahalo yep. writes in, got to head out. Great show. Thank you guys until next time. Yes. You can catch the rest of it uh, at your own leisure. We're, we have it uploaded and free for everybody to see, but thank you for coming. Alicia, have a good night. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah. And, and feel free to jump in on any of other, our other shows. Glenda, it's funny you mentioned that because I honestly kind of thought I might possibly be Jefferson reincarnation too. Um, but again, I, that's self-inflating the ego when I put it like that. I, I'm just saying I, I I need to get a shirt. And I think this could probably be like, <laughs> we could almost make this a Ryder Brothers shirt, but I don't know. might be a little too political. But I just want a picture of Jefferson and the text Jefferson was right. Because 
While in practice, he didn't quite fulfill his idealism, unfortunately, he, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he was right about individual liberty, and, and the first draft of the Declaration of Independence is one of the greatest documents ever penned. Unfortunately, he had to cut out the part that freed the slaves, which is a... I mean, oh, a bummer's I mean, putting it lightly, but at the same time, if you watch, you study history, yeah, it was a hard, that was a hard call to make. And and you got to figure too at that period in time, right? One that would have been a very controversial piece to to have there, and two, look, you got to like Jefferson. At the end of the day, he's just like us. He's a man. He's gonna make mistakes. He's gonna yeah. have flawed stuff, but he's still gonna try, and he's still gonna strive, and he's still gonna try to point out the things that he thinks needs to be changed for the better i've got no problem with the guy even if he did fall short of his own ideals he uh, made I, the effort yeah. i right? think he got to a point and he and, and you know when at the end of his life he did set the example of free his slaves i do wish he had done it sooner but again i mm-hmm. think he just got to a point where he he had to accept that it just wasn't he wasn't going to see it in his lifetime and and that's unfortunate for him and of course for betsy ross who was also a reformist and and it's just that's that's the thing is the declaration was actually cranked out and i studied this again recently with um having watched 1776 and that's when i realized man there there just wasn't a whole lot of time to make that decision whether or not the north was going to fight on its own or but then the continental congress decided to add the stipulation no we're united in this or we're not and yeah that's that's the unfortunate rule of compromise well yeah i mean you know it it was a necessary thing at the time because there was no way the two factions were going to be able to, you know, not coordinate and beat the British. It needed to be a coordinated effort. Yeah, well, at the same time, I, th- I think some people point out the whole, well, you know, we had help from the French, which, sure, that helped in the attrition win of the war. And it's like, well, if the North had it, then they could have dealt with the South after. But it's it's all stuff that we can learn from. That's it's it. all stuff that we can take and move forward with. Instead of trying to rewrite and wish that history had been better. Yeah, that's why I love the movie The Patriot. It's it's historically inaccurate and it's not and that's fine. But it's the idea that that movie brings forth. The idea that was put in those founding documents, the idea that I still believe in and still want to try for and that much of the world I think can still be uh yeah. blessed with. That's what I take away from it. And so, you know what? Yeah, Jefferson could have done better. He still did better than most. And maybe we'll see the day when it, when a Jefferson type finally does stand up and, and 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 actually help facilitate worldwide freedom for all individuals. Uh, Which would be awesome. Just let's not do the Klaus Schwab one world government crap. I'm, I'm not. I'm also Fair not enough. really for establishing the U.S. Constitution as a world government entity. I think that that certain bylaws should exist but at the end of the day we also have to remember each country does have the right to decide for itself and you know some amendments that work in the united states might not work in other countries and that's something that i have to remind myself of that while i do think that first the bill of rights is human rights not everyone shares the same philosophy and we've got to leave room for other people to have other ideas and speaking of other ideas and free college education Moving on now, because we are pressed for time, to to our... Go ahead. Yeah, to Deep Space Nine! Our favorite place to be. 
I have absolutely loved getting back into this shot. I've really enjoyed the slow drip of only doing a couple episodes a week because it really gives me time to think on it afterwards and really appreciate, especially these two powerhouse episodes that just, oh man, I forgot how good season one really is. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, uh... Matt Moser says, I'd love to debate contra- er, contractualism with you guys sometime. Matt, uh, if you got a camera and whatnot, we could definitely bring you on the Rogue Council. And uh, if you're interested yeah, we'll in joining do that. our pop culture every Tuesday night, we can talk about that. Feel free to message me uh, if you're interested. Uh, but Rogue Council is only bi-weekly. And mm-hmm. uh, JRC99US writes in, Woo, DS9. Welcome to the show. Please like, subscribe, and share. Hewless. Uh, is arguably one of the best well it is one of the best deep space nine episodes easily in the top 10 but also uh one of the best episodes in all of star trek in my opinion now of course in in my star trek opinion uh most of the best episodes come from ds9 so i got a little bit of a bias okay i mean by a little bit i mean uh you know like you ever you ever meet one of those car guys that only drives chevys yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're familiar with the type. Yeah, yeah, because I am that type. <laughs> That's kind of how I am when it comes to my Star Trek. Um, so, with this episode, we really get the opportunity to f- uh, to fill in on a previously dangling plot hook from Next Gen, where Vosh, uh, Picard's on again, off again girlfriend, and Q ran off to explore the ga- the universe. And now we find Vash is back and she's got a whole bunch of artifacts and, and items from her adventures. And she's looking to make a quick buck because why wouldn't you want to make a quick buck? But Q shows up and kind of reminds everybody, maybe they still need their good old buddy Q. Well, everybody except Cisco because Cisco just decks him. <laughs> Arende writes in says, ironically, I drive a Chevy Malibu. Boy, this is just. Why do I get the feeling that when we finally do Ryder Brothers live in person, that that we're gonna end up finding a fence somewhere in Key West, and we're just gonna have to dress up as the respective King of the Hill characters that we either physically resemble or ideologically identify, and we're gonna open the show one episode with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, drink. It, it would have to transition to our theme because we could only do 15 seconds of the actual King of the Hill song. Yeah, we'd have to get it remixed, I think. Uh, Arende Wright said, You punched me! Picard never punched me! And Galinda follows up with, Haha, I love that Cisco decked Q, and I'm a pacifist for the most part. Well, you know, Galinda, pacifism doesn't actually mean non violence. I mean, unless you are specifically non violent, it just means that you got to wait till you've been poked enough times. And for me, it's once. For other people, like Corion, it's probably five or six times. And for you, um, it might be 30 times, and that's why you think that you're a nonviolent pacifist, which, cool. Good for you. I mean, to me, my, my whole feeling on violence and whatnot is, look, um, I generally feel like if I have to resort to some sort of violence that it represents my lack of ability to resolve it in any other means, and it means a failure on my part. That being said, as uh, my daddy said, if it's worth fighting for, it's worth fighting dirty for. Yeah, and and, and 
yeah, it's it's entirely circumstantial. But I'm I am a hundred percent a believer. Uh, let's see. Bucket moonlight, get it? No, I don't. Uh, no, you got that one, Corion? No. Water moonlight, bucket moonlight, pale. Ah, <laughs> in the pale moonlight. Ah, yes. Nice. Thank the you for being greatest subtle. episode of Trek ever to be put on. Well, uh, don't oversell it. For in time. my opinion, I think it's okay. It's not the. So some people that are on this panel that are currently not here are watching it for the first time. So we do ask to just, let's just try to avoid spoilers. Obviously, I'm not going to ban you from the show unless you start being an ass, but just keep that in mind. Otherwise, yeah. that was a pretty solid, uh, that was pretty solid emoji reference. I like that. Yeah. Um, but we are talking about Q-less right now. And... Q-less, yes. Uh, and, and that is, you know... And Q, of course, retorts with, well, you're easier to provoke then. And uh, we never see Q on DS9 again. Oh, man, whoops, spoilers. <laughs> but, you know, well. But I think it was kind of to, implied. To be fair, I mean, you know, when you feel the back of Cisco's pimp hand, you go away, right? Yeah. And the the truth of the matter is, look, um, this was really an important episode in a lot of ways for Cisco because it really set him apart as a captain in his, or as a commander, the lead, if you will, in his own right. He wasn't Kirk. He wasn't Picard. He's not anybody else. He's his own man. He's the best of both those worlds in himself. Well, yes, I think so. I think Cisco is, in my opinion, I feel like Cisco is the best captain out of the bunch. Um, If only because he had the most even-handed approach to dealing with the very serious problems he had. Um, Glenda writes mean, in, Avery Brooks is an amazing actor. I completely agree. Yep. Uh, uh, JRC points out, he only returns only if he knew he could get under people's skin. And I think that's what he realized, that, that Cisco has no time for shit. Like... Picard yeah. says he doesn't, and Picard pretends to be annoyed, but Picard secretly likes meeting with Q because it's a chance to, you know, interact with a super being that you wouldn't otherwise get. Cisco hears Q's there, and it's battle stations, like, we are in trouble, I want this threat neutralized and off my station as quickly as possible. And he's all business when it comes to that. Yeah, I'd also argue that um, there, there's a good argument i think to be made that um there are near omnipotent beings already taking an interest in cisco so maybe maybe leave him be he's got his own he's got got divine protection yeah you know uh, maybe it's not a good idea to go screwing with the prophets like just as a thought right yeah notice how q never references the wormhole or the prophets and, if, and the only other ambiguous thing we have with Q is when he interacts with Guinan. And it's like, so you do have vulnerability as well. Right. I mean, that that leads me to believe that maybe maybe Q realized who was uh, being uh, Cisco's guardian angels and kind of went, this isn't a fight I want to particularly take on. But I would also argue that Q is there to teach. Now, he teaches by being a jerk, but he does teach. Ah, yes, the ball-busting philosophy. Right. 
Um, you know, we've all had that professor in school that felt that the best way to teach you was to make your life miserable for a little while. Um, I feel like that's what, what Q does a lot of the way, right? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a textbook example of this. I had a really early morning class for one of my uh, classes for my degree. And the teacher walked in and said, all right, in this class, we are going to be participating in the law of conservation of grades. Everybody right now is getting a D in this course. If, you know, if the number of people decrease, then everybody's grade goes up by the amount of people that have dropped. And if you specifically are the reason that they cite for dropping this course, I'll give you a bonus. <laughs> so as you can imagine, no one the class got so real cutthroat real fast. <laughs> oh, this um, sounds like it would make for a good episode of Lower Decks, not going to lie. Oh, um, yeah, right? All right, some fan mail to catch up on. Uh, let's see. Arendi says, I can be aggressive, but I abhor violence. You will know if you're annoying me, though, fast. Yeah, that's fair. And personally, I'm a 100% supporter of defensive violence. If if the gates of hell are descending upon your, your land and your life and you decide you're going to go out with a blaze of glory, there's a small chance I might come join you just because I, I, I agree. No one should be encroaching upon anyone's lives. Um... Next we have... Oh, some of these got out of order. Uh, let's see. Oh, Arende again says he uh, he did some things that qualify as war crimes, though. We will yes. definitely get into those. And uh, Matt writes in, do you guys know Star Trek only exists because of Lucille Ball? Yes. yes. And it's a very important thing to realize because with, with all the Twitter babies out there going, oh, I oppose racism and, and sexism and all this stuff that are virtue signaling, well, that's fine to start with i guess but you also have to realize if gene roddenberry and lucille ball hadn't tolerated racists and sex actual racists and sexists let's let's be real these the people of the, the showrunners of the 60s were a special kind of scum an actual kind of scum uh there would be no star trek so if you say you don't tolerate racists and sexists i, I think you need to go back and rewatch the show um, I, I would also say this. Look, now that um, said, I do want to. I do want to mention. Oh, that yeah, said, we are only human. We only have so much energy for each other. If you need to take time away and can only spend so much trying to reason with people, I get you. I understand. I have to stop myself. I have to give myself social media breaks from time to time because I get wrapped up in my own BS. And so it's okay. We don't, you know, like I said, we don't all have to be buddies. It's okay to take breaks, and it's okay to to to, to stand by your your, uh, your convictions. However, if you're one of those people that shuts down the discussion because I don't tolerate racism, then you would be the reason why Star Trek wouldn't exist. If you were Gene yeah. Roddenberry with that attitude, there would be no Star Trek. Yeah. Um, or Lucille Ball with that. Attitude, I should also say because yeah. yes, and and thank you to the memory of Lucille Ball, giving us such an amazing show. Yeah. Um. Cisco punched Q, Picard and Janeway tried to reason with Q, that's what JRC writes in. Yeah, and that's the problem. Cisco reasoned with Q pretty effectively. Reasoned him with fists. Uh, and then Kozikwala says, you'd think after everything he's done, Starfleet, do Starfleet, he definitely has a price on his head. I think that that is... For Starfleet, he... that's going... To... Well, you know, Section 31 could have a bounty open on him, actually. Well, I would argue that instead... Of... I think what he did for Starfleet 
was kick them in the butt the way they didn't like, but for the right reasons. If you think about it, Starfleet never would have been uh, would have been in a position to be able to take on the Borg if it wasn't for Q giving them a heads up. If you consider that even the time that Q was mortal, he taught he saved an entire civilization by getting them to think outside the box. Um, consider all the other opportunities and situations where Q showed up, where at the end of the day everyone was frustrated by his presence, but. They learned something incredibly valuable and gained insight and unique knowledge that they couldn't have gained any other way. You start to realize that, yes, Q's a dick, but he's a dick that actually cares about humanity in his own twisted way. And when you think about that, when you think about it from Starfleet's perspective, somebody up the chain of command is going to be like, okay, he may be a jerk, but he's our jerk. Glenda writes in, Section 31 might have tried to recruit the Continuum. And sadly, yeah. there's an episode opportunity missed. Right? Section 31 goes in the wormhole, tries to recruit the wormhole aliens, and they're never heard from. There's no more Section 31. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek CIA. Uh, anyway. It would be an interesting series. It's too bad that Kurtzman will never get it off the air. Or get competent showrunners to actually run it for him. Yeah, and I, you know, I'll admit, because I do try not to let my bias persuade the thing. After watching season two of Discovery, when I thought the show actually had promise, I thought a Section 31 show would have been cool. And then Discovery season two ended the way it did, and I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always thought that the, the way to do... A, a, a quality Star Trek series would be to do it in the next-gen timeline, but have um, a team that is going from place to place um, and do it like an ensemble show, kind of like a Dead Man's Gun kind of situation where they're potentially on a different ship every week and it's telling a story about a specific kind of event that happens on these ships and the people that are brought in from outside to try to deal with it. Hmm. Kind of like an anthology, which is exactly honestly, yeah, you know, to, to sound like I care about people's opinions. Um, oh, I uh, got another uh, Rosalie Hammond writes in through Facebook says, Rad Beard Parker, thank you, Rose, I appreciate it, and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I basically am at the point, and yeah, it's kind of like an olive branch to the hardcore Kurtzman fans. Um, it, you know, because here's the thing, guys. At the end of the day, we can argue over which Star Trek is better, but we also have to remember Gene Roddenberry, while he did not like Star Trek 2, as far as I can research and recall, he never bashed a fan for loving that movie. Nope. Um, and that's what I tried. And I'm not trying to say this as though I know what's best for him, because I don't. I'm just trying to look at that and, and, and reflect that that idea and that image by pointing out the fact that, that we've got to remember to respect each other as fans. Even if, regardless of what other people do, that's their business. But at the end of the day, I see it this way. To fix all the incongruities and all the discontinuities and all the problems, I see it like this. Star Trek is essentially a multiverse anthology. It takes place... There's different events that can happen in different timelines. of Now, some people aren't fans of the multiverse concept and they want to have their 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 for-sure canon. Guys, you can have that too. It, it, mm -hmm. We refer to the... When I refer to the Star Trek Prime line, I basically refer to everything from TOS 
to Enterprise. That's Prime Trek. And that will always be Prime Trek. Everything else beyond that, I think, is just best to be left alone at this point. Consider it the Prime timeline. I mean, I even put the original series as its own thing in of itself. It's mm-hmm. it's a whole separate entity on its own. It's not really fair to... Well, I, I think you can add the animated series in with original Trek. TAS, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Arende writes in and says, I don't see anything but slightly amused apathy and disdain from the Q continuum if Section 31 had managed to actually reach them and try to recruit them. <laughs> uh, you see, I, I think they just laugh and laugh and laugh. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, no, knowing Q, he'd probably join them. Uh, <laughs> just to, just to mess with them, yeah. Just to screw, yeah. And then they're like, "Hey, Q, you didn't sh- you didn't show up to this morning's meeting again." Oh, oops. Uh, <laughs> it's like, and what are you gonna do about it exactly? Right? Like, it's not like you can kick me out of the super secret boy band. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, JRC writes in. As much as I like Enterprise, the problem was making prequels instead of the standard TNG formula of continuing to the future, not to the past, and like. Or, unless it was episodes like Trials and Tribulations. So again, Enterprise is technically kind of its own timeline as well, because there's that episode where they address first contact interfering with the timeline and changing certain events. So yeah, I would say that the idea of Enterprise is part of the prime line, timeline, but the show itself is kind of its own timeline as well. And then of yeah. course the same with Discovery, Strange New Worlds, all that stuff. I don't care if you like it or love it. There's no getting away from it. There's no undoing any of it. It can all exist in its own universe. And that's that's why I love multiverse. Is because now yeah. it's like we can't have... Some people are worried about retconning and bringing back original characters. But sure, there's that danger. But they're not really the same. Yeah, I mean, like, look. You are free to like J.J. Abrams' Trek. Absolutely. You know, if you like it, go for it. Enjoy it. Look, um, say what I, you will. Say what you will. I, about Star I didn't Trek find it darkness. a fan of myself, but I'm totally fine with other people watching it. Yeah, say what you will about those movies, okay? But they still did the Enterprise right in those movies. That was at least treated well. Um, I, I still feel like you know we we had the the giant spaces on board ships, like. You know, I, uh, all I, right. I, some of the space was definitely taken a little like, too. Like, I, I agree. You the, know, the, the Budweiser beer factory engineering was a little. Yeah, right. I mean, like you know, it, it felt more like a carnival cruise ship than it did, you know, a, a military vessel doing military things. Just because it was like too clean, almost. <laughs> right, like <clears throat> you know, well, between the lens flares of... and. Okay, but between the lens flares and all the white deck, I felt like I was going to be getting like white poisoning, right? Yes. Like you've seen the torture videos on those. Th- those were the like, vi- those were the visuals that were meant to attract the newer audience and a new generation of, of Star Trek fans. And yes, they did clean yeah. it up. It's a different, like I said, a different timeline. Yeah, Not- and and that's why I'm like, look, yeah. you're free to like it. You're free to enjoy it. I have some conflicting views on it. I would say that I actually did like Chris Pine's performance. I did like Zachary Quinto's performance. Um, the the uh, fact to add the actors... to that, to add to that, Rinshaw writes in. Got to give Carl Urban props, though. Hundred thousand percent agree. Best character on that. I cast. have such a man crush on Carl Urban. He can do no wrong in my eyes. What straight okay? man doesn't? Let's be real. Right? Okay. Um, you know, but like that whole cast. I don't think there was somebody that they cast 
for the to take over those roles they didn't give it their absolute all and try their very very best to do justice to those characters yeah so 100 the actors i have zero problem with so so uh rin shar and i actually many years ago had a discussion about and and jrc brings up lens flare seizures and i'm like and that reminds me of a discussion we had about our concerns of giving jj the keys to star wars Right, and that it would basically just be lens flare the movie, where instead of a movie, they just have you recline in your seats, and they open open the top of the theater, and the sun shines, and it's blinding, and then that that's that's your JJ movie experience. That's peak JJ movie experience right there. Thankfully, that's kind of like happened. the exact. It's kind of like the exact opposite of a Grateful Dead concert. Yeah, or, or yeah. when when you turn on the lightsaber, that's all you can see during the fight scene is just lens flare the whole fight, and all you hear is the whooshing and whatnot. But because they're so right i mean i i'd probably still watch that freely like admittingly like if somebody told me like it's an hour and a half of lens flare but there's lightsabers i'd probably be in anyway yep uh let's see we're gonna catch up real quick uh glenda says urban is amazing as mccoy 100 percent agree uh randy yep. says carl urban is such a good actor aomer butcher mccoy all amazingly portrayed yeah i forgot his character in uh uh chronicles of riddick too he's really good yeah and don't forget Dread. He is the he is perfect the Dread. Dread. I, yeah. I, I I like the Stallone version, but oh my gosh, his movie was criminally underrated. Like, oh, it was such a great film. Yeah. Uh, Rinshar says, killing the villains with Beastie Boys and stuff like that is a bridge too far for me, though. I have to disagree. Yeah. I think that Star Trek Beyond is a very true-to-form the original series movie now it leans more on the original series cheese side because of what you just mentioned i'll grant you that it's not like super serious but you can tell justin lynn is a fan of star trek and he really tried to get away from into darkness and make beyond stand out i felt he did an amazing job um it was just by then the interest was so dead so here's what i would say um one of the things that star trek has always missed is it goes from like 40s 30s era culture to super modern and it misses like the 1900s almost entirely like we see guys on next generation they're listening to classical music and whatnot right but you got to remember like to them classical music and like the beastie boys would still be in the same category at that period of time right you know it's practically tribal drumming to them you know, in terms of like where the, where it is in the timeline, so you know them pulling out like them trying to modernize it for our audience by using more modern music. I, I wouldn't call well, that song modern. Same, no, <laughs> that no, no, like more. I'm saying, modern. I'm saying more modern, oh, like yeah. more modern than like you know Brahms, right? Or like Mozart. Like we're getting slightly farther oh. along. Now there's but. an alternate scene for you when they they kill them with. some beethoven right like you could have in theory put any song in there and potentially it could have worked i liked the attempt to bring more modern music more modern culture in because you got to figure there'd be somebody on board a a federation ship like malloy from orville right like that like was obsessed with like 21st century like tacking and culture and whatnot so i'm okay with it um I didn't particularly like the scene, but I like the attempt. Yeah. And that's what counted to me. Ridge Shar writes in, though. Uh, He says, This has always been a classic Trek problem. When data, or excuse me, 
I said that wrong because he didn't capitalize it. When Data assembles the ultimate group of scientists to play poker with, they're all people we know. That, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like you'd think there'd be like some like, you know, like Daystrom would be in the equation or something, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's silly. It's cheese. I'm not gonna say that. And then the whole riding the motorcycle. Thing, but like I said, it's an act. It's a it's an adventure action movie that I felt did a better job of feeling more original series than Into Darkness did. Into Darkness is a guilty pleasure of mine, but I know that movie's not. It's cool. It's got cool moments, but it's popcorn. It's popcorn yeah. flick. It's turn your brain off and enjoy spaceship fly. I mean, the Enterprise porn in Into Darkness is on point. Okay, so much so I've got a cut of Into Darkness you need to watch because it replaces all of Bernadette Cumberbatch's scenes with his scenes from uh, The Hobbit as Smaug. <laughs> that would definitely be entertaining. Or anyway, right, it's well, there is a magic carpet ride in Star Trek First Contact. Yes. Yes. And that was perfect. That was a that little was... more appropriate, though, because that's still set you know 65 years from now or set no because i'll be 74 when we finally make first contact it's 40 years from now so that's still at least a little closer but good point yep yep no i'm i'm with you right i mean these are attempts to try to fix that problem that trek has had right yeah um and i would love to see like straight up i would love to see a, a, a malloy like character who's like obsessed with like the 80s or something on a next like on a Star Trek series. I there's think that a, would be great. There's an episode of Futurama that does exactly that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but that would be well they kind of did in Next Gen sort of. Like they didn't really have the 80s. Wait, yeah they did. Cuz it was Yeah, they did. To the time. Cuz it was current. They yeah. just didn't have the 80s guy that we were hoping for. Right. <laughs> we're not going to invite them uh, them Romulans to the party, right? It's like, "Wow, dude, you're going to fit in well in this timeline." No, seriously. <laughs> right. <laughs> You don't take them pointy-eared bastards here. Oh, no, no, wait. That's a Vulcan. My bad. <laughs> no, uh, we, we, we like them pointy-eared guys. We don't like them other pointy-eared them, guys. Them, yeah, them other pointy-eared. Uh, something wrong with them. Uh, anyway, anyway, Star Trek classic racism aside. Uh, yeah. Speaking of racism, in Dax, we have quite an interesting conundrum of the mind to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. The Dax, this is Deep Space Nine... You know, some people argue it's not true sci-fi at times, and that's true. It is the least sci-fi of the Star Treks by technicality. I won't argue that point that TNG explored more nuanced sci-fi concepts, whereas Deep Space Nine kind of focuses more on the drama and the these more cerebral aspects of some of these concepts. And some of the social issues, too. But in a perfect marriage of both sci-fi concept and social concept, we have the episode known as Dax which not only does some world building of the Trill species, but also brings into question within the world, does Dax, does the Dax symbiote have to be held responsible for its past lives? This was quite a compelling episode, and I really was impressed overall just with how well acted the whole thing was, and and, and of course the twist at the end was very... <laughs> very it was perfect. Uh, it, it was good, and, and it really... Yeah. So, I got some new fan mail to, to yep. 
catch up on. Glenda writes in, Dax is an incredible character. It had to be a blast to write the character. Oh, I bet. And then Renshar follows up. They play with a lot more economic ideas than any other Trek on DS9, though, and do it with good sci-fi concepts. I 100% agree with that statement. And you're right, because... So what I've said before, and I'm going to repeat every single week, just to get, just in case anybody misses this point, um, TNG is a utopian idea. It's Gene Roddenberry's vision, more or less fully realized, right? We have the, the grand flagship, the, basically the USS Space Titanic, which is, yeah, that's a good analogy, actually, because it splits in half, and half of it goes down, and the other half goes up. <laughs> it works for the Enterprise D, right? Because it's so nice and pretty. We have, you know, the, the values and the core values are upheld by a captain who's basically a plank of wood, but also so much more beyond that, but he just presents himself like a plank of wood. And, he, and the, the diplomat father figure, yeah. He, they, he just looks like plank of wood. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's fine to be a plank of wood and be effective. I'm not saying that's bad at all. I'm just saying... He's not super exciting, but that's part of the excitement of TNG, ironically. He also chews on the scenery like only a Shakespearean actor can, though. Yeah, I, I'm... Oh, I agree. I like Picard. I'm not having anything bad. Yeah. I'm just pointing out the fact that, you know, here we have the idea, the vision, basically fully realized. Deep Space Nine is the reality. of it. It's the yeah. behind the scenes. It's the what holds the 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 economy in place. It's what it is. It's, Rinshar po- points out it's what holds the economy, it's what holds all the truth behind what paradise actually is. It still strives for the vision, it just shows the struggle to get there. And we get a lot of that struggle with the Bajorans uh, trying to reestablish themselves in the galaxy without having to sell their own souls to the Federation. We also see that continued conflict in that Deep Space Nine is now a primary commercial hub and a very important piece in the galaxy. There's just, just so much that goes on. So, yeah. yes, I, I totally agree with it. And that's why I love DS9 is because, yeah, you know what? It gets a little, it gets a little, a little much in the, in the soap opera. But you know what? That's what I like. I, I'm, that's yeah. the kind of stories that I write or try to write. That's the kind of stories that I'm into. I like the world building. I like the lore. I like the, the, I like using sci-fi to tell broader stories. And that's the best way that, that you see that in so many good episodes coming up. But man, I forgot a good season yeah, and, and really, this episode, I can't think of a more timely episode that has stuck with us. Because really what this episode is asking, at the end of the day, is do the sins of the father reflect upon the son? Right? Should yeah, we to, hold somebody accountable for the crimes their ancestors participated to, in? Yes, to back up what you're saying, sorry to interrupt, with some fan mail from JRC... Dax as a character open up a ton of philosophical discussion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's an interesting question, really, when you get right down to it, right? Is, you know, we often hear about how certain groups out there blame the actions of people that, you know, existed long before we all lived, right? As reasons for problems today, and they take it out on the people that, at the end of the day, really had no control over those situations. So, I mean, I think this this episode encapsulates that discussion very, very well. Because when you get right down to it, Jadzia had absolutely nothing to do with the events involving Curzon, right? Um, and you have to start asking yourself, is the Dax symbiont on its own a person? Or is it really just like the biological equivalent of a USB memory stick that you plug into a person? And 
carbon copy memories to? And I don't have an answer for that. I, but I think it's an interesting question. It is a great question, and I personally actually lean more towards the organic USB system. And I mean, it's that, that's kind of a... It's a, it's a good way of putting it. It's also kind of a cold way of putting it. Because well, there's so much right? more. There, there's the spiritual implications of, of, okay, are these carrying on the... Me- well, no, we actually do address this later. We do. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's an interesting question to bring up now at this early point in the series because it makes us think about it and it makes us question Jadzia's actions going forward. Are they really her actions or is it just a little bit of Curzon peeking out from the shadows, yeah. influencing her in a direction? All right. right? So, so to catch up on some fan mail again, JRC writes in, Picard had the best diplomat or yeah. Disappointment face. Excuse me. I read that. Wrong. Yes. In all of Star Trek. Uh, and then, <laughs> Rinshar says McCoy is not far behind. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, no, DeForest Kelly face is a thing. If, if you get DeForest Kelly face, you done screwed up. DeForest Kelly you... face is literally just damn it, Jim, but the nonverbal version. Well, or the how stupid do you have to be kind of face, right? Man, you're dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Arende writes in, Picard isn't just any type of wooden. I'm thinking ironwood or ebony, something that could really mess up your chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's look, what I was going for. Thank you. And yeah, look. Uh, I, I guess here's how I look at the various captains. With Kirk, you have, um, I want to call him a... Read that fan mail from Rich Shark, please. Oh, uh, I don't actually have the oh, YouTube. Okay, uh, sorry. Never mind. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm watching he, Twitch he, instead, so. Says, alternatively, goddamn Vulcan's face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right? It's kind of a toss-up God between which one of your kids. Right? Um, you know, but... Uh, so Kirk, to me, represents um, the young man who is old enough now to know better, but is still going through it. Like, picture a guy that hasn't become a dad yet, but is on his way there. Right? Versus Picard that's, like, everybody's dad. Right? And then you have Janeway that's kind of like mama hard-ass for lack of a better term. Yeah. Right? Like she, she cares, but she'll still whoop you. If you, you know, like she'll still pull her slipper off and beat you to death with it. If you get out of line and, you know, and then we have Cisco, you know, Cisco's a guy who is in a terrible situation and has to figure out the way to get out of it with his skin intact and still, you know, live up to the ideals of the society around him. And that's a hard place to be. Like he never gets an easy go of it. Right? Yeah. Uh, no hard feelings, uh, JRC. Like I said, we're just trying to avoid certain spoilers. Uh, but you do bring yeah, up yeah. a good point. You absolutely do. I mean, look, there are spoilers that I'd love to be able to bring up in this conversation to point in the other direction that it isn't just a USB stick. Um, or a USB slug, I want to call it. You know, the USB slug, maybe? Yeah. You know, al- although it does look kind of worm-like. Bus, universal slug bus? Universal slug bus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, although it does bring up an interesting concept of space tequila involving using a symbiont as the worm. Just saying. Uh, as I said, JRC, no hard feelings. It's all good. Just, it's just, all good. Man. I say no hard feelings because I don't want you to be offended if I delete your message. Because we usually, unless you're a bot, you know, trying to sell us porn or whatever, it, it's, yeah, it's not... 
we're we don't trying turn to keep down it. opinions here. Yeah, I think we came up with a secondary motto too. We really want to try to care about your opinions or something along those lines. Yeah, I actually Look, wrote it. I should probably read what I wrote instead. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's not for the content of your your comment. It's for we're trying to keep it as spoiler yeah. light as possible. Yeah. No, I said the writer brothers. We actually do try to care about what uh, we actually do try to care uh, yeah. about what you think. Yeah. So don't, don't just blanket that everywhere. Oh, these guys care about everything. No. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, within reason. Uh, Arende also writes in, says Janeway uh, could also be thought of as a slightly Mary Sue-ish. I mean, she's good at everything. So real quick, I do want to say the character idea of Janeway was definitely there. Oh, and Rinshar adds, even her hair is unflappable. <laughs> uh, it's. It, There's actually a fun fact about her hair that I can go into. And I'll let you take it from here after this. I do just want to say my issue with Janeway was her inconsistency. And this is because of the showrunners and the writers. Well, not just the writers so much. But the showrunners deciding, oh, let's just do TOS, but in the Delta Quadrant. Stupid idea. Um, it should have been more hybrid-like. D- DS9 is not serialized. Contrary to what people say, while it did lay the groundwork for more serialized television, it is not completely serialized. In fact, most of the first couple seasons are very episodic. It's, in my opinion, a hybrid, which I think is something a lot of shows could really consider doing. Benefit from. Like, think of yeah. like a imagine a Netflix-style Daredevil, for example. But occasionally, you get those kind of one-off episodes in the middle of the main plot. What fun would that be? Yeah, like a monster of the week kind of thing, right? Just, just throw that in there, and that's why I love DS9 is because you get that episodic monster of the week with continuing plot arcs and I think that would have been that would have benefited Janeway's character overall because then we would have seen someone who makes more sense instead of one minute it's they have to uphold the directives of the prime directive at no cost and then the next week it's ah screw that thing I use it as toilet paper one day she's a great philosopher and representative of the federation the next she's murdering Tuvix Uh, I mean yeah yeah so I really felt that they failed Janeway because of that because she could have been such a fantastic character. It still is. In a lot of ways the episodes I like I can draw from. Um, yeah, so with Janeway's hair though just yeah. real quick um, in the initial test screenings that they did with Janeway's hair they let her have her hair down but the camera kept picking up her hair as like this elaborate series of flyaways so she looked like the book description of Hermione Granger. She basically had a big red fro going on whenever she was on. That's why they had to like uh, get her to either put it in a bun or they put so much uh, hairspray in her hair that it was basically a helmet Jeez. to prevent that weird camera issue that they were having with her hair. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I almost feel like the crazy hair would actually be an improvement. Well, I mean, in the later episodes, right? Like I always felt that Voyager would have done great with a bit of the uh, remake Battlestar Galactica treatment where things were like a little harder pieces of the ship were breaking down you'd go down a hall, one hallway would be pristine, the next hallway would have a whole bunch of crap lying in it because you know that it's just no one's gotten a chance to repair it yet. Yeah, they would definitely have their main corridors which they'd still uphold their cleaning and their their sanitation with but then you know there's going to be those other storage corridors that that quickly start to build up. Uh, Rinshar points out I mean, Mandalorian was that way, and people ate that up. Semi-episodic, semi-serial. And that's probably why I really exactly. enjoyed Mandalorian. Because, yeah, it was we had a story we were going on, but then we got to go to a new planet with a new bad guy of the week. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, or it was the same bad guy, just done with 
different game. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's th- this is this is where DS9 really starts to take off, though, is because we start to get we get these strong episodes right out of the gate, but then we start to get these philosophical ones that really get you to think about the circumstance and and really kind of gets you to yeah as you said this is a perfect example of taking sins of the father and you know turning it on its side and kicking it down a flight of stairs that's why i love sci-fi i mean this is what seth mcfarlane has done with the orville and why hey renew the orville yes Um, but yeah like sci-fi should always be presenting the argument presenting the sides and letting the viewer make up their own mind on it. Uh, yep. Personally, I've always felt that the sins of the father shouldn't be revisited on the son. Um, I feel that everyone needs to be their own man. Uh, definitely don't forget where somebody has come from, but that doesn't mean that's where they're going. Yep. And, and, yeah. and yeah, and I do want to point out too, when we, on this show, when we do uh, gender references or, or specifics, guys, it's just what we're saying from. We're not saying that only, only men, only yeah. boys can carry the sins of the father. Daughters are absolved of the no, no, no. Everyone should be able to go. Oh well, as a woman myself, I agree with that. Good. That's what we want. That's all yeah. we want. It's not. Yeah. It's not about who's right or right. I'm not offended when people. I'm not offended by two things. Actually, I'm going to point these out. One, when Corion talks about worshipping the goddess that he chooses to worship. And two, when a woman changes the analogy to flip the roles. Great. Yeah. Fine yeah. with that. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I was just trained in a ca- classic English environment where the male pronoun is the default pronoun unless stated otherwise. Um, personally, I feel like that makes uh, the female special. Like the female pronoun kind of special and, and wonderful. But I can understand why not everyone would feel that way. And if you ever want to take my words and respond with the female pronouns on anything I say, by all means, go for it. I'm cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, again, part of restoring respect into discourse means we do need to set that example of having a base level respect for everyone. We do our best to accommodate. I'm just saying, just don't read into it too much. We're not saying men because we believe in the patriarchy. I, I actually... One of the reasons Corion and I actually started to come to a realization, to an agreement very fast was because we realized men and women are great. Both both have strengths, both have weaknesses. It's our yep. weaknesses and strengths that complement each other, especially on our personal level, that, that that's that's what matters. That's what makes us great as a species. It's all. It, yeah. Our differences are not something to be scorned or one-upped on. They're to be celebrated. Yes. So, uh, Matt, Matt Moser writes in, Philosophers have two different stances on that. Best discussed by Thomas uh, Aquinas. Yes. I was saying that wrong. Oh, I said it right. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, and Frederick Hage, or Hegel. Hegel? Hegel? Hegel sounds right to me. Uh, so Aquinas was for the stance of inherited guilt. Hegel argued the opposite. And, yeah, yeah I, I mean... I, I I agree that everyone needs to be given this goes back to what I was saying earlier in the stream guys everyone needs to be given the benefit of the doubt and you want to try to have good faith um, and then uh, Rinshar adds that Christianity is poisonous with this concept when it comes to the sins of the father and yes that is that is true that's one of the aspects of it that I often speak against because you know I, you're gonna this is gonna sound crazy and you're probably all gonna damn me to hell for this but I don't uh, believe that all of the Bible is correct there I said it. Um, I do I think mean, that man's influence and corruption has has changed things for 
to facilitate control mechanisms that Renshar brings up in that now the sins of the father was a concept that I believe was used to control bloodlines and to control who was allowed freedom and power and and I mean there's nothing good that comes of sins of the father there really is I mean I'm open to hearing it if you guys have an argument that says it is please share I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to listen. I don't agree with it, and I probably won't be persuaded, but I'm willing to hear your stance. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear you out. And I mean, I'd love to be able to provide it to the rest of the audience, uh, uh, you know, a different viewpoint. I think that would be good. Um, you know, and I will say for the record, I mean, when it comes to the Bible, look, like this is a witch saying it, but I really like the Jefferson interpretation of the Bible that removed the fantastical elements and kept the philosophy and the, the concept of, Hey, let's try to be nice to each other, even though sometimes people are going to be jerks to us. Um, you know, to me, that that's the the version of the Bible I identify with, I think, is a great thing. Uh, Rin so. Shar is also talking about, yeah, and I do love the Jefferson Bible because it brings the teachings of Jesus to an otherwise unwilling audience. Um, yeah. Rin Shar points out that basically, okay, original sin and sins of the Father, that is actually, those are two similar concepts, but they are technically different. And again, original sin i have a different perspective on that entirely but that would be best safe for the council um so yeah i mean i can see how you can see that they're similar but they aren't exactly the same um and uh arende writes in i don't believe it's all correct oh my god how dare you have critical thoughts yeah there oh, you go you try Look, to think critically you know here, here's what i'd actually you know, suggest or recommend to every Christian out there. Read the Bible. Write down the passages, the philosophies, the pieces that make the most sense to you and put your focus there. Right? And I think you'll find that some universal concepts come out of it. And once you have that knowledge, by all means, read other holy books and see if those concepts are repeated throughout most religions. I think you'll find that they are. And I think you'll find that That's all of us I've are trying to from. say the yeah, I think you'll find that all of us are trying to say similar things that so, it's important to be kind to each other. Yeah, and I right? actually, uh, since we're coming up on the end, because we don't really have a whole lot of time to get into this, but this is good discussion, guys. Thank you for bringing these topics up. Um, I actually shared this analogy with H. Marie recently, and I'm going to share it here because I think, again, this is another t-shirt I might have to get made, is imagine the uh, dark side of the moon prism, right? From the Pink Floyd album, The Light Prism. So the way I currently see it right now is like this. You have the white light coming into the prism. Let's call that the, the word of the one true God. The absolute, this is the correct God, right? Well, we exist in what I would consider a fractured mirror of the spiritual world. And so when the message of the one true God tries to get through to our realm, our existence, it gets fractured and it splinters. And so one light prism you could have represent Christianity, another you could have represent Islam, another you could have represent Wicca, or I guess which would probably offshoot into several others like Christianity. It's going to hit several more prisms <laughs> on the way down. Um, but that's basically what I think it is because there's a lot of similarities that we can draw from and find that common. And it, it's, I think that's really, you know, you, you think you found the one true God, that's great for you. For you personally, that's fine. That doesn't justify being shitty towards other people it's because i think that in the end we probably all do happen to worship the same entity and and i think that the best way to summarize what matters here and now most of all was what stallone said in samaritan the capacity for good and evil resides within us all 
there's no, regardless of your personal faith, there's no disputing that fact. It's simply there. Um, JRC says, I am a Christian apologist by hobby and I love discussions like this. And Rinchar says, you are so close to Kabbalah right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, Arende says, seriously, if more people chose to actually think critically like you do, PD, there would be a lot less conflict. Instead, people choose to take offense or worse. So, Arende, I think that's that is a simplification of the overall issue. And yes, I do want to have a philosophy theme show on this channel very soon. I mean, we kind of have it with the Rogue Council at this point. So yeah. maybe we'll just keep it all there. But it, it's that's that's only part of the problem. Um, but you're not wrong. I'm not going to say you're wrong. It's just there's so much more that goes into programming that goes into tribalism that, that, that there's there's a yeah. lot of stuff we can dissect and, and we can go for another two hours. Oh, uh, easily. But, easily. Uh, I, I C.S. Lewis, he does. C.S. Lewis is a great yes. Regardless yeah. of your personal faith, absolutely, you should read Lewis. Oh, yeah. Not just not necessarily Nine, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. That's the candy. That's Lewis on candy. You really want to understand some of his unique perspective. The Great Divorce and the Screw Tape Letters are absolutely. They're awesome, really which I haven't good. read all the way through yet. <laughs> ah, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, my oh, philosophy. Uh, Renshar, Renshar clarifies regarding the premise of reality as a fractured mirror through the spiritual world. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. and that's just it. Like Corion and I have these spiritual discussions often off camera, and we keep finding more things to agree on and less to agree against. Only, yeah. only time we get, you know, I don't think we've gotten angry yet. But no, I mean, we, the only time we start disagreeing is when it gets to matters of of direct dogma, right. and usually what we can do is we can point to each other and say yes this is not going to be universally liked but there are reasons and here's the reasoned argument behind it and that i think is the best solution anyone can come up with oh right? yeah the space trilogy that's one that i think we want to do on this show actually in the future when probably starting next year because oh man january's january's yeah it'll probably be a good one for change yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yes, uh, sorry guys, I can't finish the, the fan mails at this point uh, because we only have the last uh, three minutes here. We are coming down to the end. Uh, Corion, anything to plug? Well, yeah, I just put forward my first video for October last weekend. It is a, I'm doing a fun exercise for October. I'm bringing in guests with me to talk about our favorite movies. Uh, recently, I brought in Gabrielle. Um, she is... A wonderful human being and we're jokingly referring to her as my intern in residence uh, as she's learning YouTube uh, from me and we did a fantastic video on practical magic I would really appreciate it if everyone would take the opportunity give it a uh, give it a view and see what you think of it um, I think we we broke it down in a fun way and uh, I really hope that you guys would would enjoy it I'm just gonna give oh, 30 you 30 minutes well, yeah, but I mean, I spliced in a fair bit from the movie, so you get some stuff in there. Yep. All right. So that's the link to his video, but also definitely subscribe to his channel because uh, we are trying to actually make and grow a, a free network here. And, uh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't yeah. checked out Marine with Teen Telly, please do. Orville Nation was in here earlier. Absolutely check out his channel. And uh, I need to be better about these, but my usual clip guy isn't. <laughs> So, uh, but yes, thank you all for joining the discussion tonight in the comments. And I want to thank our podcast listeners and all of our subscribers. Guys, please help us continue to grow. Put the word out there. Like, share, sub. Go watch our other videos to help boost our views if you can. If not, it's okay. I'm just glad you guys made it here today. And I, I thank you for making this 
it's turning really good because this is uh, well, October is a hard month for me, and uh, and we're all there for you, and, and, and we're glad. I'm see that. and you know what? Uh, I think I can speak for the chat and say that we're all glad to be here for you, and that we all want to continue to do that. And uh, you know, thank you for putting on this lovely show. Absolutely, thank you for joining it. And thank you for helping to make it. Uh, we're going to try and get our DS9 stuff out sooner so you guys can follow along. But yeah. until then, uh, I'm Pete York with the Ryder Brothers. Thanks for watching. We will see you next week.